This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Not another Derby County podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Not Another Derby County podcast. Uh, I'm Jacob. Uh, once again, I'm joined by Jake. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm great, I'm great. Especially after a win, finally. <laughs> um, and yeah, so essentially in today's episode, we've finally got a positive uh, topic to talk about. We have recorded a win against Bournemouth. Yes, it wasn't a dream. Uh, we have picked up three points uh, from a losing position. Um, fantastic game so we'll, we'll talk about that we've got a few other things to talk about uh, specifically some of the players that kind of stood out to us in that game And but yeah it's kind of just a bit of a free flow episode it's nice to be able to talk about something and not focus on the doom and gloom Jake <laughs> I know it does it does make a nice nice change doesn't it to uh, not be picking apart another defeat but um, yeah as, as you were saying what a it wasn't a dream. It wasn't a dream. It was real. It really happened. And uh, I think at times it, it didn't feel real. I mean, when Lawrence put the ball into the top corner to make it 2-2, it's sort of like, you know, have we, we got awarded a penalty for first time ever. <laughs> um, it, it just, it felt brilliant, didn't it? And you could see how it how it resonated around the whole ground. Yeah. I mean, it was just, um, I mean, the atmosphere was bang on as usual. I think we've had a great atmosphere at the stadium this season. You can really tell that the supporters have kind of, it's a unity, a unity that we've probably not had before. Obviously, unfortunate circumstances that we find ourselves in has caused the unity, but it's uh, really refreshing, actually. It's quite nice uh, to be in the stadium at the moment, um, and especially when we're winning. I, I think there's a weird sort of expectation to beat the top teams. It's sort of, uh, I feel more confident when we play a team like Bournemouth or than when we play a team like Barnsley. And, that almost, I think the results sort of resonate with that in a way. Yeah, I think I saw something, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, about how the teams we've played in the top six so far, we've either beaten them or drawn with them. So we've played Bournemouth, we obviously drew West Brom, uh, we beat Stoke, we drew with Coventry. So mm. it's a little bit like we, we seem to be one of those teams that seems to be able to pull it out the bag against the bigger teams. But obviously, as we've seen so far this season against the uh, the maybe lesser teams, we, we, we seem to be useless. A little bit typical Derby, really, isn't it? I think it's like a, when we were in the playoff push, it was, it was kind of similar. 
we'd um we'd always beat the teams in and around us and then we'd lose to to Rotherham, wouldn't we? Or, or, you know, <laughs> MK Dons when they were in the championship back in the day. It'd always be the the teams that were kind of always bouncing between League One and the championship that would seem to get the better, uh, the better of us. But um but no, yeah, I think it, it shows us the quality really that we do have in the side. And it, it's kind of the unfortunate um inconsistency that we seem to have that we've kind of seen throughout the year, well, throughout the last couple of years, especially, where um Bournemouth looked no better than us. At yeah. all. I, th- I think they had, well, I saw on Twitter, I'm not sure how accurate it was, but someone said their squad was around 200 million or something. Don't be surprised. No, be surprised. I mean, I'm not, I'm not claiming that that's true. Uh, but <laughs> I, either either way, you know, it could easily be 100 million or, or, or higher than that. I think they've got quite a few big money signings. You look at Solanke, they, they spent quite a, a big Yeah, 25 million, wasn't he? Yeah, and then um, obviously Jefferson Lerma, he, he was a, bit, a big money move and We've got Champions League winner with, with uh, Gary Cahill. Um, wait, was, did he win the Champions League? Yeah, he did. It, he did. He yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I thought he was he just signed by that point. I'm yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they have they have a great team and a great manager. And um, with our kind of team, we strung together through free signings and and the academy and a heavily based team around the academy against Bournemouth, especially. especially. Um, we we more than matched them, and I think whether or not we deserved the win, I think the stats were quite even. I think a draw would have been, you know, I don't think many people would have complained. It would have been a fair result, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see us on the other end of uh, of a game where you know it could have perhaps gone either way. It could have been a draw, but we actually we took all three points. We took advantage of the opportunities we were given. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, as you say, you've you've summed it up quite well. You've left me with nothing to say. <laughs> I, I think we we did play really well. It was quite an even game, which was you know surprising considering Bournemouth's form. But if you take into account the fact they are a Premier League team and most of their players are Premier League players, so you knew it was always going to be an open game. And I think you know, sort of going all the way back to the point about we seem to do well against the good teams. Uh, against an open team, you've got more space. And so attacking players, you know, people like Tom Lawrence, Jason Knight, and people like that were getting a lot of space going forward that they probably wouldn't get if you were playing the Barnsley or or someone someone of that ilk. So I think, yeah, I think Bournemouth are always going to be a, a tough challenge. But the fact that they're so open, the fact that they're so expansive, meant that we did have the opportunity to use our quality players in, in an environment that probably suited them a little bit better than, you know, the the, the dregs of the championship. Um, just to change the topic very slightly, uh, we had a, a debutant uh, who played, you know, we changed the system, we brought him in, we'd been playing a 4-2-3-1, we went to a 4-3-3, uh, he looks about 15 years old. <laughs> Liam Thompson, what a debut from him. Yeah, that... I mean, I put a tweet out about it. I remember um, just being kind of blown away almost by the fact that that was his debut. You're thinking, where, where have we been hiding him? You know, why has he been tucked away in the under-23s? I think with um, that performance, is probably not just one of the best debuts I've seen ever, probably, from from my um, time as a diver supporter anyway. I think the only kind of debut that comes close in recent years would be, I think, Will Hughes obviously burst onto the scene with a pretty yeah. tidy performance. Um, Julian Dessart, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant debut, but 
Obviously, yeah, not much after that. Yeah, nothing came after it. <laughs> Tom but... Ince scored two on his debut, didn't he, as well, when he uh, yeah. when he came on loan? Um, obviously, Julian Dessart. It was it was only the debut that I can talk about. The rest, <laughs> of, it. <laughs> you know, the rest of it. But um, as far as debuts go, especially debuts from players that have come through the academy, I think that's almost next to none. He was perfect. You know, I think it, he was just so progressive. He, he wanted to get the ball forward every single time he was on the ball. And... I just haven't seen a player do that for Derby in so long. I think yeah. he, he kind of showed little glimpses of, of Hughesy and there was kind of prime Bryson in there as well with his ball retention. And it was like, uh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, put too much pressure. I don't wanna, <laughs> you say I don't you're picking him up a bit here. <laughs> yeah, I don't want I don't want to liken him to every uh, little cult hero, every fan favourite of Derby from previous years. But um, no, I just, I just thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I think as well, I mean, so he sort of indirectly replaced Ravel Morrison, who's a player that we spoke about on the podcast in the past. Um, and Morrison, as 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 we've said, has a little bit of a habit of not really being as progressive as he possibly could be and turning around and passing backwards and sort of not being very adventurous and being pretty slow. And I think what was so refreshing was that Liam Thompson came in off the back of a few strong performances for the under 23s. I mean, I I've, I've watched him for a couple of years now um, when he first moved up from the under 18s, to the under 23s. Um, and he was a player with obvious talent straight away. My big question was, was could he do it against big physical championship players? Because he is only little, you know, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. He's he's not he's not massive. He's not he's not going to be outstrengthening people. He's not going to be out muscling people. And I was a little bit concerned when I saw his name in the starting eleven that maybe he'll struggle against. You know, he's up against Billing, who's a big, powerful, strong yeah. midfielder. But he held his own. I mean, he held his own for the whole game. And yeah, as you said, the way he kept the ball in those tight little situations was was really good. And I know um, someone I know, a friend of mine called Jimmy, uh, he, he said that he reminds him a little bit of Jamie Ward, because obviously with Derby, you've got to compare every player to a pass player. But he reminded him a little bit of Jamie Ward, and I could sort of see it, the way he, he, he moves his body around and he, he changes direction and uses his, his lack of height to his advantage. Is that, um, is that low centre of gravity? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, exactly. he kind of just almost ducks out of the way of players. He's caught like <laughs> so low to the ground that when they're trying to get to him, he's sort of shielding the ball. But he was so uh, technical as well. Yeah. With, you know, with his, the ball at his feet, he was just stuck to his feet. And um, he just didn't seem to lose the ball. And if he did get knocked off, he'd, he'd go and win it back fairly instantly. Um, but but no, like I said, I can't, I can't fault the debut at all. For me, it would be a 10 out of 10 debut. I don't think, I think only a goal maybe would have topped it off. Um, it, it didn't seem to get into too many goal scoring positions, mine. But I think realistically, he probably did exactly what he was told to do. I think, and for me, the main thing was that he was very progressive. The amount of times he fed, um, he fed through Jason Knight, they were working really well together. Um, and you know, he, he just like, like I say, I've said it too many times now. I'm getting repetitive, but he just got <laughs> the ball forward, and I think that for me as a Derby supporter in recent years, something that we just haven't really done. We've not really had a midfielder to break the opposition's defence down with one simple pass. Yeah. I think um, Bielek was was kind of starting to do that, but obviously he's got more, um, he's got kind of more roles to his game. He can fill in yeah. separate places. So he is sort of the defensive midfielder, but obviously he can, he can pick a pass out. But to have Thompson kind of running the show as he was, 
Uh, and I think it's a Derby, Derby Twitter actually said, you know, it's like a, a duck to water. He took, yeah. like a, took to the, Touch the game like a duck to water. Is that, yeah, is that yeah, that sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, he's just really, really, really solid performance. And I think he has to keep a spot in the team. I, I agree. And I think something else that helped is he's got Shinny and Bird next to him. Um, and a lot's been said about when we've played with two holding midfielders, how it's, it's quite negative and... You know, it's sort of inviting the opposition. But when we played with the three, it really changed the whole dynamic of the midfield. All three of those players can play holding midfield. All three of those players can play further forward as well. And I think it helped massively because you have that constant rotation of players. And it meant that people like Bird and Shinny, who usually are quite restricted in their roles, had a bit more of a license to go forward. I mean, we saw it with a penalty. Shinny's run into the box. If we were playing the same system that we've been playing recently, he wouldn't have made that run. He wouldn't have been there. And I think that's something that we've kind of missed over probably not just this season, but like the last three, four years. Since we've started playing a 4-2-3-1, which we have for quite some time now, it, it really does restrict your midfielders. And it means that, you know, those sort of late runs that we became accustomed to from Bryson, Hughes, Hendrick over the years, we weren't getting anything like that anymore because they had to sit and stay in their position. But yeah, putting, putting Thompson in there has meant that all three of them can make those sort of runs at different intervals throughout the game. I think it's completely changed the way we played. I mean, it was reflecting the scoreline because we scored three goals for the first time. I think, well, it's the first time since Chef Wednesday, isn't it? Chef Wednesday at home. Uh, final uh, game of last season in the league, isn't it? Is it? Is it? I'm trying, I'm trying to I'm wrap doubting my myself now. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Room. It is. In the league, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll back myself. I think I'm right. Sheffield Wednesday. Because we scored three in the cup, didn't we? In the draw with Salford. But yeah. I, I think in the league, we'd only scored two in a game. Yeah, two all draw with Luton. Yeah, our, win, our wins have been relatively... Yeah, it's always been one nils, hasn't it? Or two ones. I'm just trying to think if the um, the game I'm thinking of... Was it did Stoke? We not, did we not beat Birmingham 4-0 away after Sheffield Wednesday? No, the Sheffield Wednesday game was the last game of the season. Oh, you're on about. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm, yeah. Thinking, I'm thinking about. Um, I don't know why. I was thinking of the game uh, that we won three one. Oh, the Chris Martin like, trick of assists. Like where? Yeah, yeah, way yeah. yeah. Then the last game, um, the last game before COVID hit. That, I don't know why that was. <laughs> completely forgot about that crucial game. That, that well, can, can you imagine if the last time we did it was all the way back then? God, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say no because when you mentioned that game, for some reason, that's the one that popped into my head, and I was like, that's a long time to go without scoring three. Um, yeah, God, that's a brain fart. Yeah, I mean, we've only done that. Well, including Sunday, we've only done it three times since then. So it's. Uh... Yeah, well, it, was, it was definitely nice to see. <laughs> yeah, um, it's made a change. I think as, as well, the, the penalty, we don't, we, we haven't, <laughs> I, I, I really, really thought we weren't going to get a penalty this whole no, time. No, no. You know, the way things were going, the amount of kind of, we've had so many handballs or like little kind of niggly fouls that, um, you know, they, they, they just haven't, they've been kind of given the blind eye by the referee. Yeah. It's been a bit frustrating because then you see us do the same kind of little, um, like I said, like niggly tackles that yeah. sort of, um, yeah, yeah, they just it goes against of, they, us. Yeah, it's like against a run of play where uh, we'll we'll have all the momentum and then 
it'll be one of those little silly errors, which it's a 50-50, but it, the likelihood is that this season, at least, it's been going against us. Um, so it was nice to see us actually awarded a penalty, which, <laughs> you know, in recent fixtures, if the same thing had happened, uh, you know, we've seen them not given <laughs> quite a few times. So. I think I think with, with this one, I, I think... Of all the penalty shouts of adult season, you can't argue with that one. I think, you know, the, the way the guy just piled into the back of him, I think it would take a, a brave referee to to not give that. But then, you know, we've we've seen similar sort of things all season, haven't we? So, you know, it's one of them, isn't it? It's one of them. No. But, um, yeah, just to, just to sort of move on to another player who's... You know, he's a, he's a player that's had a lot of stick. Um, he's a player that, you know, maybe hasn't lived up to the price tag that he's cost. I'm sure you know exactly where I'm going here. I'm sure everyone listening knows exactly where I'm going here. Um, he's had a lot, yeah, as I said, he's had a lot of stick in the past. But recently, last three or four games, he's really sort of turned it on a little bit. And that player is Tom Lawrence. He's... You know, he scored two goals. Uh, I was genuinely convinced he'd scored from the halfway line. Um, what a performance. I mean, two goals. He maybe could have could have even had more if, if you know, if we'd managed to create the chances right. What did you make of his, his performance? Well, I, I, I said um, when I was watching it that he was kind of playing out of his skin. Um, it was a fantastic performance and... It's the kind of performance we have seen before. We've seen it before. Um, few and far between, I think, to, uh, over this whole career uh, with the club. Um, but no, it was, it was a Tom Lawrence that we paid that money for. Yeah, that you know, that's the kind of Tom Lawrence that we want to see week in, week out. And it's frustrating that we don't. But on the day, he, he was almost unplayable. I, th- I think it was the second half. The second yeah. half he really kicked into gear. The first half. I, I don't really have too much to say about about his performance. I didn't really notice him, to be honest. Um, but the second half, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, even the, um, obviously the footwork and the little trickery before the first goal, and uh, to wrap it into the top corner like that from such a tight angle um, was was great. And obviously stuck the penalty away, which you, you can't ask him to do much more than that if he's stepping up to take it. It was uh, good to see the confidence as well that he walked straight over, he picked that ball up. He was saying he wants to add that to his game. <laughs> Told Gaza Richards to go away. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, nearly, he uh, nearly set up because then Richards late on. That was fantastic footwork. I remember I was thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, where has this come from? Like, that's fantastic. And um, brilliant footwork. He gets the ball into the box, and because then Richards can't quite divert the header uh, goalwards, it goes just wide. Uh, but it, you know, easily could have been it could have been four goals. But um, no, he was exceptional and the the key factor really in uh, in getting the three points. Yeah, I think when you're talking about, it, you didn't really notice him in the first half. Something I noticed very early on in the game was the ball sort of got knocked out to the fullback, and Lawrence sprinted at him, and I, I can't remember the last time he did that. And I, I remember I turned to my brother and I said, "He, he seems really up for it today." You know, he's, he, see, he really looks like he wants it. And he did. And yeah, in the second half, I mean, the, the quality that he had on show, he played like a player who wasn't scared. He played without fear. I think a lot of the time he plays a little bit cautious, a little bit safe. But it's yeah. almost like Rooney's gone to him and gone, 
you've got the ability. We know you can do it. We've seen you do it. Just go out there. It doesn't matter what you do. If you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. Just try and make things happen. And that's what he's done. And that's what he's, you know, he's <laughs> he's succeeded, hasn't he? To, to come away from that game with two goals, you know, he's he scored the equaliser, he scored the winner. And to run away, hitting the badge on his chest was, uh, yeah. was a, a nice way to, to cap off no, a really yeah. good performance. <laughs> I got to say that was something I wanted to touch on. It, it was nice to see a little bit of passion. Yeah, I think um, sometimes it gets kind of um, a little bit slated for not showing that kind of passion. He, obviously, with being in state of the captain, people kind of you can't the, the typical captain mold is a Curtis Davis. Who's, you know, he's always out there. Um, he's always facing the media and, and talking to the fans directly. And I feel like we weren't really seeing a lot of that from Tom, and, and that's yeah. why people probably slate him a little bit more when it comes to being the captain. Um, because you you know is the kind of passion on show from people like Davis. We don't always see that. Yeah. So to see Tom kind of at the end of the game, he was going over to the fans. He started started to bounce. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> break going on to, to zero points. Uh, it was quite funny. Um, but no, yeah, it was great. And even in the celebrations, you could tell it was on his mind. You know, you could tell he, he meant it. The way the way he was smacking the badge and yeah, uh, it was positive to see. And it kind of, it's a little segue I want to go on from here because I, I put a tweet out not long ago and I think it, it was about about Tom and how, and it wasn't saying he was a bad player, it wasn't slating um, the way that he played, but it was saying that out from the Mel Morris era, because of the money we spent on him and um, him being oh, the highest... Oh, I know where you're going here. Yeah, because <laughs> of the money we spent on him and him being the highest paid player at the club, according to the article from, was it the Mail? The mail online, yeah, 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 like or the mail sport daily. Mail, um, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, they they said that he was on 37,000 a week. I think a lot of people were quick to point out that it was probably more nearer to 27,000 a week. I'm not, I'm not too sure to be honest. Um, and obviously, we paid five million rising to seven million. We don't know if it's hit seven million, I'm not sure what the clauses were to make it seven million. Ballon d'Or clause, I reckon. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> Uh, Premier League or England. Uh, England. <laughs> England. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, that would be a big clause if you made it. That'd be a good one. After playing so often for Wales, wouldn't it? But then again, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in the contract, knowing what the shady shit. Yeah. There was other stuff we've done. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't be surprised to see that included. No, but if he got into the, I was going to say, like the Premier League team of the year or something like that. Um, but no, I'll, I'll get on to the point, which was um, being value for money. Yeah. He be, if he was to go for free, there's so many segues to this, and I'm butchering it big time. But what I'm trying to say is that there's been rumours linking Tom Lawrence away from the club for free in January. And I said that um, with the money we paid for him and the um, wages he's been on reportedly, if we were to let him leave for free, then it would be a very poor value for money signing overall. I wondered what your thoughts were on that. You see, you know, some people know my my thoughts on Tom Lawrence change, you know, with the winds. It, it, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because he's been so incredibly inconsistent for a number of years. Um, he did cost us a lot of money. Um, he is, you know, according to that article, on a lot of money. I mean, even even with the, you know, the ones that people are saying are facts, you know, 27,000 or or however much it is, it's a lot of money for a team in this league 
for a player that's not been consistent. And, you know, a few people have said it before, he, he was meant to be our Tom Ince replacement and he's he's hit nowhere near the heights that Ince hit with us. So I, I see exactly where you're coming from with that because he has cost us a lot of money. I know we've made some big money signings that have literally just done nothing, like uh, Ikechiani and Nick Blackman, those sorts of no, signings. I don't think Tom Lawrence is one of them. No, I no. I, don't think, I wouldn't put him in that kind of bracket. Um, but I, I think if, obviously, we don't know what wages they are on either. Um, I think we paid, was it around four mil for Anya? It was four million for Anya. Something and like that, yeah. Blackman was three mil, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's um, around that. So obviously we paid a little bit more for Tom, but also Tom has, uh, you know, he scored more and assisted more than the two of them put together. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously not. But he's also he's also played a lot more. He's featured a lot more. Um, and I, and yeah, it's just one of them where I feel like if we were to coup a fee for him, if he was one of the obviously Rooney has actually since this article came out, he's, he's shut it down and been yeah you know, very clear that Tom Lawrence will be saying at least for this season. Uh, and that he won't be going in January without, you know, any hearsay from Rooney himself. Um, but, you know, if we were to coup a, fee, uh, coup a fee for him, then um, that statement I may be retracted, in my opinion. It depends on the fee. Uh, but if we were to get money back for him, then it probably wouldn't be a poor value for money signing. But I think yeah. with um, the output we've got from him and the wages that we pay and, the you know, the transfer fee that's paid, um, I think it would be quite a... You know, it'd be quite yeah. sour. It'd be quite a sour transfer for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if we do lose it for free, um, which you know we might anyway at the end of the season, yeah. you know, we could get to the end of the season and he just goes off. We don't get anything for him, and he can join someone else completely for free. So, you know, if if it ends like that or he goes for free in January, I see where you're coming from. It is a it would be quite a poor signing for the money that we've, you know, spent, the money that we've paid. Obviously, he didn't choose his own transfer fee. He didn't choose for Derby to offer such ridiculous wages. So it's hard to, to put the blame on him for that. But for the money he has earned and the money that we did pay for him, it, you know, you could say he's not hit the heights. But if he's going to do it, now is the time to do it. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, as we were saying before, the form he's had recently has been brilliant. And if he could keep up anything like this for the rest of the season, you know, if he if he performs the impossible and stars as we stay up, he'd be worth every single penny. Yeah, so yeah, you're not wrong. It, it, no, no, it no. all depends, doesn't it? It all depends. Yeah. But I think if, if the form that he's shown in the last three or four games can be replicated, um, and you know, put on kind of repeat throughout the rest of the season, then yeah, I think the the out the kind of output the uh, the view changes completely. Yeah. Um, but let's just hope it happens. I mean, I mean, it would be great. It's a player that is very clearly got talent. Everyone says the same thing. It's very clearly got talent, but he doesn't always show it, and it's frustrating because we know he's got that in him. So yeah. when he plays that sort of game, I think there's a you know there's a sort of um, feeling that he kind of drops that performance every 10 matches and he, he should be doing it pretty quick. Well, you know, not everyone can put in a consistent eight or nine out of <laughs> every game. No one does that. It'd be too much to expect that. Um, you know, but if he can do this more frequently, if he can keep up this form, I mean, he's our top goal scorer this season. Yeah. Now, just overtaken uh, 
Curtis, Curtis Davis. Davis. Yeah. <laughs> which is obviously the target for many top strikers to outscore Curtis <laughs> Davis um, in, the, in the championship. But uh, it's a top scorer now with four goals. He's got three assists. So he's, you know, by far the most creative player at our club this season. Um, contributed to the most goals. So if he can keep that up, then you never know. But I mean, I guess you kind of... Um, alluded to it a little bit there with if he somehow miraculously keeps us up. We do have to talk about the possibility oh. um, of, <laughs> of the staying up. It isn't impossible. It isn't at all. It, is it a long shot? It, yeah, it really, really is. But it's not impossible. Um, so we're 15 points away from safety. Um, we've got a much better record than all the teams above us. We've lost six less games. Then 23rd, 22nd, 21st. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure on goal difference, if if we did gain that 15 yeah. points, that we'd be level with the teams around us. But on goal difference, we wouldn't be in the bottom three. Um, well, so and again, I think what 84 points have to play for. Was it 87? Quite a lot of points. <laughs> yeah, so 84 points left to play for, and uh, 15 points away from safety. Yeah. It's a lot of points to play for. Yeah. The it, problem is, the problem is, is it's important not to get carried away, first of all, because, you know, we beat Stoke and then we forgot how to win for quite some time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's important not to get carried away because it was a brilliant result and it was a brilliant performance. But if if we are to stay up, we need to seriously start winning games and that'll start from not throwing away points and losing positions. I thought it was interesting that Bournemouth didn't really throw the kitchen sink at us at the end. You know, you if we were playing, you know, I keep using Barnsley as an example. If we were playing Barnsley and we were 3-2 up with like five minutes to go, every single Barnsley player would be in our penalty box for every set piece, every throw-in, everything. And they'd be throwing the kitchen sink at us. But Bournemouth seemed different. They just, I don't know, they didn't seem bothered. No. <laughs> so... I think if we were playing, you know, when we play the teams that aren't right at the top, that aren't Premier League teams, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. So I don't know how well we'd be able to hold on to a lead because, you know, we've seen it so many times. We've dropped more points from winning positions than any other team. And that just, I mean, that might come from the fact that our defence, our pensioners, it might come from the fact that apart from the pensioners, all we've got are children. So we've literally got a team of 50% old people, 50% children. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we we don't have we don't have the the players to sort of hold on to a lead, if you see what I mean. But yeah, I know I've deviated massively from what we're talking about, but I think I think if if we are to have any chance whatsoever of staying up, we've got to solidify at the back a bit and just keep playing with no fear because you know, it, it's an almost impossible task. We, we're getting around 1.16, I think it was, or what's that yesterday? 1.16 points per game or something like that at the minute, and we need 1.65. So we need to start winning games. That's been our big problem this year, putting games to bed and scoring yeah. goals. But, you know... What um, what better place to start than at Craven Cottage on a Wednesday night? Yeah. I think, um, Obviously, like you said earlier, um, we've played four out of the top six so far. We've won the two games at home. We've drew the two away. I'd be happy with a point. 
I'll be happy with anything. Um, <laughs> well, so I think it's just, it's kind of that, surely by that logic, we get six points with uh, the next two games against first and sixth and following QPR. <laughs> and then um, I, I'm, we'll go on another five-game run without a win, I'm assuming. <laughs> Once we've got the hard the hard games out of the way, I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, no, but seriously, I, I think um, why not attack the game in the same way we attack Bournemouth? I think, in reality, I think Fulham's squad is unreal. Uh, yeah. For the champions, I mean, they've got quality in every position. Harry Wilson, obviously, he's, he's had some nice words to say about yeah, Darwin, yeah, it's nice, which is good to hear. Uh, good to hear that you know he still has fond memories of the club, and you know he's got a good connection with us, and I'm sure he'll get a great reception from the travelling fans. Um, obviously, they've got Mitrovic. But was it 21 goals in 18 games so far? It's, it's ridiculous. It's something like that, isn't I it? I might be wrong, but I'm. It, I, if I'm, if I'm wrong, I know I'm not far off. It's, it's something ridiculous. The fact is he's scored more than he's played. That doesn't happen in the Championship very often. No. Um, he's well on track to beating the record set by Ivan Tony last season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he's going to be very, you know, he's going to be a test. But Curtis Davis loves, loves playing against Mitrovic. They've had some good battles over the years. <laughs> and um, I've seen Davis has spoken about it before, how he, you know, how he likes playing against uh, Mitrovic because it's a, it's a good battle. Um, but yeah, it, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I'm apprehensive because we've just had a nice win, and it feels nice to be positive. <laughs> and we're thinking, well, that's it. Now we've only got 15 points to, you know, it's only five wins. We're going to be only five wins, yeah, easy. Um, <laughs> but obviously, Fulham, Fulham is a tricky task for anyone. Um, but you never know. You never know. that it's a championship. That's it's, the beauty of it. It's one of those games. This is an unbelievable time to get some momentum. Because, you know, obviously I'm not expecting anything, but if if we could get a good result and it's a good performance, we could really start to build something now. Because oh, yeah. you could yeah. see from the players, I mean, even Tom Lawrence, you know, go back to Tom Lawrence, because that's all we talk about, apparently. You could see, as you said, you could see what it meant to him when he was hitting the badge on his chest. And he'd never done that before. And I think we're seeing a little bit of a change in the team now. We're seeing a bit, you know... They've got that positivity and they really, really want to fight because yeah. there's a chance. There's there's a chance that if they do it, they're all heroes. So if if yeah. we go to Fulham with that mentality, yes, they're a brilliant team. Yes, Mitrovic has more goals than games, which is ridiculous. But at the same time, you can you can win a lot by working hard and by trying hard, and by having your head in the right place. And I think this Derby team has all of that at the minute. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what are you expecting? What, what do you expect to happen? Um, it's a tricky one. But you, for a starter, you don't know which Derby team will turn up, but you also don't know which Fulham team will turn up. I mean, we've, we've seen, was it uh, Blackpool beat Fulham, did they, earlier in the I season? Was, I think it was, yeah. Might have been, but then again, Blackpool haven't done too bad this season, have they? Either it's, you know, um, but no, they've got a great team. They have a really, really good team. So I'm not expecting a win. Yeah, but also there's that sort of. It would be typical, wouldn't it, for us to just beat the top teams back <laughs> to back to beat first and second, and then, you know. It'd be typical for us to lose twelve nil as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's one of them where we could either, honestly, I don't know. It's, kind of, it's one of those things. I can't, I can't, I can't give you a, a kind of straightforward answer because 
my heart goes, well, actually, you know, we, we could do this. We could sneak a win. Um, a draw, though, I'd be happy with. I'd, if you offered me a draw now, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd take it, definitely. Um, but also the reality is they could just thump a 6-0 and then all the, you know, all the kind of... Uh, mo- uh, not motivation. The, uh, <laughs> the run we're on now and, um, you know, the form we're building, it's sort of just... Gone. Over, yeah. You know? Gone. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that we'll we'll get a result. I'm yeah. not expecting a win. <laughs> I think I think I'll, I'll, I'm hoping for maybe a draw. I think the reality is I think Rooney knows the uphill bat. Uh, you know the uphill battle that we that we face when we play Fulham, especially at Craven Cottage. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I think we'll probably try and play the game out and try and nick one late on. I think that's realistically what it's going to go for. Um, I think I remember him saying in an interview that that's what they tried to do at Sheffield United away. Um, yeah. He said that he tried to kind of see the game out and stay in the stay in the game and then try and nick one late on. Obviously, that didn't work out for us at Sheffield United, but it's a similar kind of game, I think. It's probably a similar approach to kind of staying in the game, knowing yeah. full well that Fulham have the ability to destroyers they're much better than Sheffield United though that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the problem uh, but also Fulham Fulham play much more expansive football than Sheffield United and so you know they're, they're Fulham are more similar to Bournemouth uh, than they are Sheffield United in terms of yeah. their attack and play they do leave much more space on the pitch to to you know pierce with with their attacking talent um, and we could just take advantage of that and, and get a lucky result and I think with the way that our form has gone this season. I think the players will be more than up for it. And like you say, they've got a bit of passion. They've got a bit of oomph in their game now. They're, they they understand what's at stake. And it's yeah. at stake big time. It's a huge, you know, it's a huge challenge, but they appear up for it. And I think how they play against Fulham will determine that. Because if we go a goal down at Fulham and don't respond in the same way we did than when we went 2-1 down um, yesterday against Bournemouth. Yeah. Well, it won't be yesterday by the time the podcast goes up. <laughs> um, you know, on Sunday against Bournemouth, then, uh, then I think that's really, really telling. And even if we do lose 1 0, but you see us go back, well, or 2 0 or whatever, but if you see us go behind and we come right back and, you know, try our, try the way we did against Bournemouth, then I'm going to try and take the positives from the game because it's all about how the players play. And if we go one down, the head slump, it's like, well, they, you know, the momentum. Was, yeah. Uh, earlier. Um, the momentum, although it kind of takes a dent, I'm, I wouldn't say it's gone. Yeah, but if, if we do get absolutely battered, then you know it'd be difficult to overturn. But can I can yeah. I pressure you into making a prediction, or is that a taboo a taboo subject? Oh, I've just got a. Oh, I don't want to say it. Right, so I was on. This is a slight tangent. I was on uh, a Bournemouth channel, and I was asked for my prediction for Bournemouth, and uh, I was asked about. Do I follow my head or do I follow my heart? And my heart said we were going to win 3-0. So I actually got slightly right. But I said that, you know, using my head, I, I couldn't see I couldn't see us winning and saw us getting battered. Now, I think I'm going to follow a similar approach <laughs> with this one. In my head, I think we're going to struggle at Fulham, at Craven Cottage. You know, they've been imperious there all season. Um, they've got Mitrovic, who's good at kicking the ball in the goal. I, I have a feeling that we might lose by a couple, you know, maybe two or three nil. But I'm hoping if we can play anything like we did against Bournemouth, that we've got a chance of maybe nicking a draw 
or maybe even if we're really, 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 really lucky, maybe snatching a win. But I think we'd have to play pretty much a perfect game to do that because it, it it won't be the same. You know, if we go a, a 2-1 down like we did against Bournemouth, we don't have the fans, you know, there were 20,000, well, 18,000 Derby fans, you know, chanting, still giving it their all even when we were losing. That must be a big lift for the players. Whereas, you know, you're in, you're in Fulham's backyard and you've... You've got a lot less fans back in here. So, yeah, my heart says we might nick something. My head says we probably won't nick something. Um, what do you reckon? I'm, I can't really say that my opinion is too different to, to what you've got to say. I think my head, my kind of the football um, side of things, thinks it will probably be very fortunate if we were to get a win or a result. I think the reality is Fulham are expecting to beat us. I think everyone watching the game and everyone, uh, every championship supporter is probably expecting Fulham to beat us, which is great because the pressure's off. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's not that great because the reality is they, they could well beat us. <laughs> very, very convincingly. Um, but no, again, I think my head is similar to you. We, we are capable of getting a draw. Um, if we if we play a good match similar to how we played against Bournemouth, and we are capable technically of uh, of snatching a win at the end, or you never know, we could thump them four 0 and it, you just, <laughs> I can you imagine? It, 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 it could be unreal, but the reality is, it's going to be an uphill battle, and and I think we will be very fortunate to come away with a point. But then again, as soon as that as that game kicks off, it's it's up to the players, isn't it? You, you never know what's going to happen. It's the beauty of the championship. It's just completely unpredictable. So yeah. uh, hopefully the expectation of Fulham to win uh, works in our favour. That's what I'm going to say with that. So <laughs> not expecting a win, but um, not going into the game downhearted. I, I'm, ex- you know, I'm hoping the players put a good shift in like they have been doing recently and I'm not ruling out uh, a positive result, obviously. Yeah, we've just got to hope that we can sort of knock those errors out of our game you know we've been so prevalent with it all season you know it's always the individual errors I mean we've had the latest of a of a catalogue from uh, the goalkeeper Keller Roos I mean what what, what did you think of that because I've seen you know the, the majority seem to be in the well he's clearly just messed it up camp but I've seen a couple of people trying to blame Curtis Davis and sort of deflect the blame from Roos a little bit. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Roos as a goalkeeper? Um, I think we've touched on it before. Yeah, um, we have uh, the, the most recent thing I've said about uh, Carl Roos is, you know, the less I say, the better at this point. Um, shot stopping is all right. It's probably a strongest yeah. subject. We know famously, unfortunately, that his handling has never been what you'd expect from a championship goalkeeper. Um and I, I personally do put the blame on Ruiz for the goal we conceded. It wasn't as though uh, Curtis Davis has absolutely bladdered that pass to him. <laughs> um, he's passed it to him. Carl Ruiz has took the first touch, and it's the second touch that he's just kicked straight into. Was it Solanke, I think? Was, uh, was Yeah, I think so. Um, so, no, I, I do I do blame Ruiz. It's not like he's, uh, you know... It wasn't a first touch. It wasn't like Davis has hit it at him too hard or yeah. misplaced the pass. It's gone straight to Keller. Um, he's took a touch and his second touch has just knocked it straight into danger. Uh, obviously, then 
he makes the initial save and then Davis clears off the line and then eventually it finds its way into the, was it Anthony scored? Yeah, I think it was Anthony. Uh, so eventually they did get the goal, but I think none of that happens if Ruth just kicks it long. And obviously that is something they've been working on. You can't put, you know, I'm not saying that Ruth's decided to play it that way, um, but realistically... I'm not. I'm not sure what they were trying to do with that goal kick. Anyway, no. Now no. it's something that Curtis Davis went. Oh, I know. Let's do this. I'm assuming that's something that they've worked on in training. Yeah. Um, but you know, the blame has to fall on Ruse because it was him that that made the, the poor touch. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, like, I you know, it's his fault in my opinion. Again, I think he's made another mistake. And like you said, there's a catalogue of. Uh, Mistakes from Cal Ruse has been a catalogue of goalkeeping mistakes. You know, Ryan Olsen's made a few clangers as well. Yeah. Um, I've recently called you know for Harrison Falk from the from the academy. I mean, he clearly doesn't rate Olsen if he's behind Ruse in the packing order. Yeah, um, Ruse just doesn't put in enough quality performances at all to merit being a goalkeeper in the championship for me. Um, and if he's relying on the on the youth as heavily as he has been, you know, the last game. It was uh, Liam Thompson, you know, Fessy Everselli, Lee Buchanan, Jason Knight. There's such an emphasis on the academy players in yeah. that fixture. Um, and it's very clearly relying on them for next season. You know, should we go down or, you know, even if we stay up, he looks like putting a lot of emphasis on the youth players and bringing them through. Yeah. Um, so why not try Harrison Fultz? He's been excellent for the academy, um, just as Liam Thompson has been. And I'm sure that he can't be too far away from from uh, being handed an opportunity, even if it's in the cup, or even just putting him on the bench, because he's playing so well for the academy. Yeah. I don't see why these two goalkeepers who have made mistakes in every game they've played almost, um, I don't know why they keep getting selected ahead of him. I know it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a big deal. You don't usually see many young goalkeepers, but if he's got the quality, then I and we are relying on the youth as, as much as we are, then I don't I don't see why not. I mean, I'd, I'd personally be happy to see it happen. So, Yeah, I think it is a difficult one. The thing is, you know, Roos is getting close to 30 now. When you're a, a goalkeeper, it's, it's probably one of the hardest positions to play because yeah. every mistake you do make is amplified because it pretty much leads to a goal, as, you know, as Roos found out on, on Sunday. The problem is, if if you're a goalkeeper for a, a championship team and you're their goalkeeper for, what, three, four years, you'd expect by four years of being the first choice goalkeeper at a club to have really stamped your your authority down, to, to really have made that position your own. And the fact that the second Roos got in goal, you know, that's obviously not the technical way of saying it. But the second Roos got his place between the sticks, he's he's been constantly questioned. You know, even at the start under Lampard, he was playing well, but there were still question marks because he did weird things and he just has a tendency of just doing things that make absolutely no sense. And, you know, those question marks were amplified, obviously he made that mistake at Wembley, which I, I think it's, it's silly to focus on that because I think that's unfair to, to judge a player purely on one mistake, especially in a game as big as that, because, you know, they've done it now, you have to move past it. The yeah. problem is the 100 mistakes he's done since then. I mean, you know, that, that season under Koku, um, he was rubbish. You know, the season afterwards... 
Uh, I mean, we we tried to replace Wondokoku with Ben Hamer. You know, we tried to replace him uh, under, yeah, under uh, Koku to begin with, and then Rooney tried to replace him with David Marshall. And now Rooney's tried to replace him with Ryan Alsop. And, you know, he's constantly been under pressure from all of these different goalkeepers. Goalkeepers that, you know, most people would say aren't really great goalkeepers themselves. So the fact that we've been bringing in, you know, below par goalkeepers to try and replace him kind of, it says quite a lot about his, maybe his Derby legacy, because he he does make mistakes. And even his biggest fans will admit or should admit that his some of his he's very unorthodox. What he does doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, he'll make the occasional unbelievable save, and you'll think, "Christ, how's he done that?" But then a lot of the time it'll be, "Oh, Roos has let one in; it was near post again," or "Oh, Roos has just passed it to them and they've scored," or something like that. And I think for a goalkeeper to ha- be questioned that much over a number of years just kind of highlights that maybe they aren't the right person to take the club forward. But I don't know. I don't What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think, I think you've explained it pretty well. I think, like you said, he is unorthodox and he's made such a large amount of mistakes that have led directly to goals. I think we've dropped points purely because of Roos on quite a number of occasions, even this season, um, because of, you know, because of his mistakes. Um, and like I say, it's not... A, you know, he's not the worst goalkeeper in the world. He's, he's a good shot stopper. But for me personally, he's not championship standard. I, yeah. I don't think, you know, if he was to be let go on a free, which I think his contract's coming, is it coming to it end? Is, it is, yeah. Let's be real. I, I don't see many championship clubs looking at his skill set. None of them would. None of them going, would. Going, we want to sign you, especially not as yeah. a first goalkeeper. And honestly, I don't see many League One clubs really doing the same. I, I can't see many teams that would actively search to sign him. He, you know, he might sign as a second or third choice keeper somewhere, but I think he's extremely lucky to have been given such a huge opportunity to be Derby's number one goalkeeper when there's quite a few people that would have been a lot better, really, realistically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, we've got him for now and we have to stand by him while he's here. And Yeah, you know, yeah I agree with that. No doubt and he's committed to the club. He, he, you know, he, he, I think he has to be. He's very fortunate to, to have been given the opportunity that Derby have given him but um, for me we need to we need to improve we need a better goalkeeper and whether that be uh, bringing up Falk from the academy after his impressive performances or whether that be loaning one in or, or signing a new one should the uh, embargo be lifted which obviously if there, there will be no embargo if we are taken over that was said the other day um, so yeah I, I think for me it's a, it's a shame yeah. uh, but for, for saying he's 29 or, uh, you know, or going on 30 he shouldn't still be making these silly errors that you'd, you know, you'd expect from a youth keeper or that's the thing you wouldn't even expect it from a youth keeper Some exactly. of them are just, they're just so silly um, and for me like I said now a few times he's lucky to be in the position he's in and if we're ever going to move forward we, we need a better goalkeeper than, than Ruth unfortunately yeah. I, I, I think I, I carry on sorry sorry yeah I was just going to say you can't fault this passion, you can't fault his desire. I mean, we saw, I think it was a Stoke game, the way he was celebrating at the end. You can see how much it means to him. And, you know, you, you've got to appreciate that as a supporter. You know, you, you've got players that are giving everything. But the problem is, is that, you know, obviously that doesn't make you invincible to criticism or immune yeah. to criticism. So, 
Yeah, I, I, it's a bit of a, a sad note to end on, but you know, I, th- I think he's he's a nice bloke. He seems yeah, a lovely bloke. Yeah. You know, you can tell how much it means to him. But he, he is struggling, and he does struggle. And as you said, some of the errors are, are amateur, uh, much like you know the one at the weekend. If I was playing on a Sunday and my goalkeeper did that, I'd be fuming at him. You yeah. know, so why is it happening at this level? So. Unfortunate, really. It's almost like he's kind of escaped. He's kind of gone through the cracks and been unnoticed until oh, all of a sudden he's a first choice keeper. Yeah. I don't feel like it was a normal, steady progression of impressing in the academy. You know, even his loan spells were. He was too- rubbish at Rotherham. Yeah. They sent him back, but, didn't they? And I don't, I don't want to keep going over it too much. Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> if you're listening, so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go over it too much. Um, but. You know, at the end of the day, he, he's, like I said, he's very fortunate to be in the position he's in. And um, I'm just saying, it almost seems like a little bit of a con that he's managed to get all the way through. He's getting Obviously, rinsed today, isn't he? We, we signed him <laughs> from a Nuneaton. So it wasn't like a direct academy player, but we signed him from Nuneaton and he's sort of just by default almost because of poor performances from other goalkeepers or, you know, goalkeepers leaving and, and uh, never really having a solid first choice option after Scott Carson. Yeah. Um, after he replaced Scott Carson, actually. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Well, uh, I think it's probably best we leave the episode now before we make the Because otherwise, we're going to, you know, this Calvary Sander needs to stop. I think it's very, I think it's very clear uh, how we stand at the goalkeeper position. I'm sure he's a great guy, but as far as goalkeepers go, I think we both agree that we, we need to improve in that department. Yeah. Um, I think most people would really, yeah, wouldn't yeah. they? I mean, it, I it, it's yeah. no secret that Derby's goalkeeping department has been pretty poor for a number of years now. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of people will agree. Unfortunately, we're the ones um, that are sat here publicly slandering him. So when he goes and has a game of his life against Fulham... And keep I hope team. he does. I hope he proves um, wrong. I really yeah, do. We can, uh, we can call it, we can call it the podcast and uh, do a public apology. <laughs> um, but um, you know, yeah, it's a it's been a decent episode. Yeah, um, it's it's been it's been nice actually to have some positive things to talk about. Obviously, it's still a derby podcast, so we did have to throw one negative thing in at the end. <laughs> um, but but yeah, thank you for listening, guys. It's a uh, it's always a pleasure doing the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I've uh, it's been good. And um, yeah, next next week I believe it'll be on a Tuesday. So uh, stay tuned and see you later. Yeah, see you a bit, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.